few people in my life who I'm really impressed with. They uh, surprised me and uh, just didn't expect to see coming out of them what they've become. And my guest today on Grey Matters, Amy Landino, is just one such person. I met Amy when I first went to social media marketing world several years, maybe five, six years ago. And Amy was a speaker at social media marketing world, as was I. And we became friends right away because we were in the same space. She was obviously is much younger than me. She's a, but she was a YouTuber who was creating how to content on YouTube, teaching her community how to vlog daily and how to create videos and, and very much in the same space as much of the content that I deliver. So there was an immediate kinship. Obviously she was dealing with a very different audience, primarily female at that time, women that were just maybe on the cusp of turning 30, that age demographic, but that was her community. The thing that has impressed the heck out of me is Amy has completely reinvented herself. She has taken what she was doing quite successfully, I might add, and spun it completely, taken a complete left turn. And she has become a community leader who is a life skills teacher uh, and teaching her community to get the most out of the life that they want, how to be more productive, how to be more efficient, how to have better work-life balance, even into relationship uh, issues. Amy has become a real leader in her community and she always had skills to teach, but this leadership side was completely new. And she did this by reinventing herself, by seeing the direction that she wanted to go and taking her brand, taking, and she completely just tore her brand down to nothing and then rebuilt it from scratch. It was an impressive display and watching it happen. I thought at the beginning when she was first doing it, I thought, oh my gosh, what is this woman doing? She's on the path of having a lot of success. Why in the world is she, why in the world is she taking this, this alternate path? There's some good lessons there. Amy taught me a lot about personal branding, about following your own dreams, about the potential that we each have to reinvent ourselves at any stage in life. And for us baby boomers who are looking at having to take what we've done historically and reinvent ourselves because of necessity or because of desire or because of opportunity. Amy is a role model that I think you will learn a lot from. So I relish the opportunity to sit down with my good friend, Amy Landino and talk about personal reinvention today on gray matters. Steve Dotto here. How the heck are you doing this fine day? Welcome to Gray Matters, the podcast for those of us in the gray zone. What is the gray zone? Primarily baby boomers and Gen X, those of us sporting a touch of gray. We're interested in finding our place in the digital age. On this podcast, we will learn about online marketing, community building, social networking, all from our perspective. The world's changing. The job market is not interested in us anymore. We're facing the prospect of a reluctant retirement, and that is not cool. We need a side hustle to take our experience and put it to work for us. We need to develop mad skills, adapt, and evolve in order to remain relevant in the digital age. I can help. This podcast can help. I'm glad you found us. The journey you went through and the decision-making process you went through and the, uh, in the, the just the, the milestones along the way and, and how you were able to visualize. I'd love you to share that with yeah. me. We've never really talked about that. We've never really talked totally. about it. Totally. But I think that the lessons for me 
and for my community would be awesome because you've done, I'd like many of our friends, you've done it successfully. <laughs> and I you. always, I, I'm, I always have the impression that you did it with, that you were intentional all the way along the way. Is that, is that fair? Yes, it is. Because that it, saying intentional is like the nice way of saying I'm a perfectionist. That's what it feels like to me. Yes. I think everything I do is super intentional, but to a point I get so intentional that it's perfectionism. So there's a balance there. So let's take you, let's go to the Wayback Machine. We met, is it seven years ago? Mm-hmm. Six, seven years so. ago. Yeah. At Social Media Marketing World. And we were both in the same space at the time. You were doing YouTube videos and they were pretty much how-to videos on a lot of tech stuff. Mm-hmm. And you used to do them with a little camera standing up in your closet. You make sure you had the high angle so your face looked good. It looked like a closet. It was just like my bookshelf in the corner of the room. I didn't have a lot of space I was proud of. So I really kept it cropped in, you know? I always thought you were in a closet. <laughs> <laughs> I had but a you window. Did... What do you mean? I had to use daylight. Yeah, well, that was behind you. I didn't see yeah. it. Um, so, so you, so you were doing how-to videos, mm-hmm. and you were growing a presence on YouTube. You had, uh, you had th- your one overwhelming asset was you were comfortable on camera. I think it was that fair to say. I think so. I I had a couple of years on YouTube before I started that channel of tutorials. So I I had started to get to know what it was like to have a conversation with a camera. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. It it's not something I was naturally good at. I was. If you ask my mom, she was like, "What is happening?" Like I was hiding from the camera as a kid. It was never supernatural to me. I wasn't a performer. It comes off that way because I was natural. But it was. I was natural after a period of a couple of years. I had like a smaller channel that was more personal, experimenting, editing, and just having fun um, that helped me get acquainted with how to talk to a camera like it was a person, basically. So we were on parallel paths, as far as I could tell. Sure. You were gonna, you were, you were teaching a different, a different demographic, mm-hmm. but you were teaching them how to use technology, how mm-hmm. to edit video, how to create a YouTube channel, how to be personal productivity was a big part of what you talked yep. about. Technology, all of the same things. So we became friends immediately because we were right in the same space and our channels were of a comparable size totally but then something happened yeah i kept barreling down the same path but you took a right turn yeah tell me about the right turn um i think basically what happened was uh i I, you know i was the video girl who talked about video on video like for a while and it started out social media and technology then it was really got focused on video because as the landscape of marketing changed people started to become more open to other mediums. So then I, that's where the video, video, video thing was happening. When I started to write my book in 2016, and that was to come out at the beginning of 2017, I started to think like, you know, this would be a great way to cap off what I've done and move into, into the next stage of the relationship with my audience. So essentially that I, once I get something in my head like that, it's just like, it's a matter of when. So I write the book in 2016, launch the book in 2017, spend the better half of better, better entirety of 2017, promoting that book, talking continually about what I did. And then at the beginning of 2018, I completely changed. And I, the reason was partially, you know, I wanted to explore new territory. I wanted to be able to be able to go deeper with my audience, but also just like, I got to keep making things interesting too. YouTube continues to change. Audiences continue to change and you have to, you have to keep things interesting for other people, not just yourself. And I think that's really what I was doing. I was just ready to try something else. Yeah, but trying something else gets it means that you get into teaching podcasting or something. What you yeah. you went you went from being a person that teaches about technology and talks about the world and, and practical 
skills to being a motivational leader. Uh, for the audience, Amy's community follows her for lifestyle advice. And to, I mean, one of your catchphrases is to, is to live the life mm-hmm. that you want. To go after the life you want. And so you've become a leader to your to your community, which is primarily uh, primarily women in their 30s. Become a real leader to that community. And that that is more than I'm going to take on this new marketplace. Because you became the product instead of showing Adobe. Yes, for sure. For sure. I mean, I, I still think I was kind of the product during the marketing phase because I was really trying to sell my business at the time. So you really had to trust me. But to be fair, you're absolutely right. When I say I wanted to try something new, it wasn't like some new shining, shiny object that I thought was interesting. It was when you start to pay attention to the audience and you start to, which is a fabulous luxury. A lot of people who are probably listening to this are like, great. Like I have nobody really leaving me comments or telling me what to do. But with that luxury, I just simply was listening to the comments by seeing that There was a predominant following of women that I cared about helping who may or may not have actually started making video, but they were learning a lot from me. So they would watch my content anyway. And their questions were always the same. It was, how do you get motivated? How do you get confident? How do you make the time to do all that? How do you teach yourself? How do you bootstrap? It's not necessarily, I'm going to go try the the shiny object thing. It was, I still want to help these people, but now we need to go to another level. That's honestly where that motivation came from, because I'm just looking at what are these things they're commenting to me? What are their holdups? What are their barriers to entry? Now let's address that because I've made everything I'm ever going to want to make about how to use video. You can find that anytime you want from here on out. Let's explore new territory so you could potentially do that if you wanted to. So you took that right turn or left turn. I don't know which direction. What direction did you see in your mind? What direction did you see in your mind? <laughs> uh, I think it, w- it felt like a left. Okay. A little bit like a left. We'll make a left turn. So okay. you took a left and and you and you started to plunge into it. now was it a gradual change in content or was there, it like there were a couple of stop? things. There was a couple of things that really made me feel excited to just do it all at one time. I had just gotten married also at the end of 2017. Um, my my maiden name is Schmittauer. So a long, for a long time, it was Amy Schmittauer, Savvy Sexy Social. Like that was my shtick. That was what I was doing. But as I became a public speaker and an author, my last name was a little bit difficult to work with. And my married name was not too bad from a branding standpoint. So I thought, okay, well, I'm going to change my last name. I also need to drop Savvy Sexy Social. I don't need this shtick anymore. People know who I am, so I can lean into that. And I also want to change content. So when I was looking at all of these things, it didn't make sense to go like one little prick at at a time. It was like, let's just rip the bandaid off. It's like, this is a, this is what's happening. If you don't like it, then I'll take it into consideration. But I always say if, P. Diddy was able to change his name, then I can do it too. And if Netflix was able to survive the branding disaster that they were making when they were trying to change their names and separate things out, then I can survive it too. So I just ripped the bandaid off and everybody was like, all right, cool. (laughs) It worked. (laughs) Everybody shook their, everybody shook their heads a lot, but, but there's a lesson in this, you know, there's a lesson in it. And a lot of us who uh, have built our career look in the past and look at what, look at our body of work as our calling card. And I think that you looked at your skill set as your calling card. You looked at your message. And so rather than looking at your resume, you looked at what you could give. And 
if you are at the place that so many of our my colleagues are, where they're having to reinvent themselves from a regular office job to something new, they rely on their resume. They re- so it is important to us. I'm not diminishing that value. The work you did before was valuable. Mm-hmm. But there's, the reason that they could turn left or you could turn left is because you didn't rely on that anymore, but you relied on what you had going forward. You had, re- you relied on your skill set. Is that fair? Yeah, I th- I, yes, I think it is. I, I don't, I never really thought of it that way, but I also think that sometimes I'm like, no, I, I think my resume does come in handy every once in a while, but I do think you need to just be open. The reality is that the way that things are changing now, it, if you, if you're too worried about all the things you've accomplished to the point where you don't even realize nobody else is paying attention to that anymore, or times have changed so much that they're irrelevant, that you have to be able to pull from different areas and feel like you've invested space and time and energy and improving different areas of your life. So that it's not just, I'm banking on everything that's happened in this resume. I see some of the most successful people in the in the world that have worked for huge companies, especially in the marketing sector. And because of whatever they were holding onto on their resume, they can't get a gig now. And they've done some incredible work. They've maybe moved the digital age even more forward from a branding standpoint. But whatever their thing was that they were so hooked on being their, their hook that they told the whole world about, it just didn't catch on because it's not what we're talking about. And so that you lose ground. It's, it's especially hard if you've been doing something for so long for so many years and it just feels like a slap in the face that everything you've done is no longer respected, is potentially being paid for uh, much less with somebody else or it's being automated by a, a tool. Um, that can be really difficult to grapple with, which is why I think you've got to look at what have you learned or what have you executed on throughout your career that's never going to go away. And a lot of us have learned some level of people skills that are not going to go away. Just because we have tools that help us with that, it doesn't mean that the understanding how to how to be human on a basic level is going to go away. It, it's, it's more valuable now than ever before. I keep trying to get my head into what your headspace was like as you went through these changes mm-hmm. and, and just how you envisioned, how you, how you, like when, when I envision a, a new product within my, within my product mix, it's a very small thing to imagine. My imagination has to be quite limited to, to change your name to change yeah. the complete direction of your channel. Mm-hmm. Did you did you use a tool? Did you sit down and write it out? I mean, what was your what was your daydream time and your imagination time to get this new model in your in in in, in you know to get it to a point that you could start moving in that direction? I don't I I really think I it's just a lot of thoughtfulness. Once for me, I don't get too in my head of whether something's going to work or not. I just want to make sure that I 100% believe the words coming out of my mouth when I say them. So it was probably the last quarter of 2017 where I was saying, you know, Oh, the the other thing I changed was my YouTube URL too. That was a whole thing. The YouTube URL, the name of the channel, I'm changing my last name as an author. Like my, the name on my book doesn't match my actual, it's just, there were a lot of things, but it was like, if I, if I write it all down, it seems right to me. It's a hundred percent the truth. And it's quite frankly, in the long term, going to make my life easier. Um, Amy TV goes over a lot better now than Savvy Sexy Social. A lot of people got the wrong idea about that name because I was trying to be funny and cute and it didn't mean anything inappropriate, but algorithms think it does and people think it does. And so that judgment was there. So I knew that was going to be the right call. I also knew it was going to be the right call to change my last name to Landino, both for love 
and marriage, but also for the sake of somebody being able to pronounce my name when I walk on stage to speak. I mean, it's just a silly problem to have if you can't get the guy who's so excited you're there to speak at his event to say your name right. But you also leverage that. I think we, we have to be fair that while you were Schmittauer, yeah. you coined yeah. the Schmittastic uh, hashtag uh, or the or the or the screen name and your handle and that worked yeah, really that well was, for you. You managed to make yeah, that work really because well because it's like I believed in it. Like I, I just think that's that's where the core of everything is. I believe that every change I made was the right decision based on the many experiences that I had, and nothing was. I'm I'm a little. We've talked about this. Like I'm fairly intentional. I don't just make a decision and do it immediately. I work on it immediately to see if it's got legs. But I didn't just go on Twitter one day and go, I changed my name. Like, it wasn't flippant. It was, welcome to 2018. This is what we talk about now. This is what my channel name is. Oh, and I changed my last name because I got married. You all know I got married, so this should be no shock. And it was just, I'm having a human conversation with people who have been my friend online for four to seven years, depending on how long they've been around. So it just felt like, Hey, this is a life event happening with somebody that, you know, so let's just have a real conversation about it. Did you turn to anybody else for advice on it? Um, I talked, uh, I actually talked to YouTube specifically because I wanted to make sure that on the logistics side of changing channel details, that there wouldn't be any issue there. Um, and I wanted to make sure that the URL was working at the same time as the announcement. But other than that, I talked to my husband and I said, here, like, let's get very real about my last name. My last name Schmittauer was not the last name I was born with, but I have never been married before. This was a name I chose. It was my stepdad's. He adopted me when I was 12. 12 is the age in the U S where you, or at least in the state of Ohio, where you have to tell the judge yourself, I approve of this man being my father. So that name meant a lot to me. So the conversation I had with my husband was, I love you. I'm very happy to be at Landino, but at the same time, like I'm taking your last name because it's logistically easier for us as a family going forward. And for my brand, the, the, my, <laughs> my maiden name is the one that clo that's closest to my heart, not just for obvious reasons, but because it was a very intentional decision that I made in my life. So, so that was a conversation I had to have. And I was very frank with him because I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to say like, Oh my God, I can't wait to give, take someone else's last name. Personally, I think it's great when women keep their maiden name. I would have, if it made sense for me, but, uh, it just didn't. So that was a conversation mm -hmm. I had, but everything else, um, when I see the vision for how everything's going to work and how much easier it's going to be to communicate it. And that really is what it is. Don't make it hard for people to talk about you. Um, I just knew it was the right decision. So you see people facing the need to pivot every day. I'm sure you see it through a different lens than the rest of sure. us. When you look at your ability to take what you did and convert it and change direction successfully, what do you see in yourself? Like if you, in the quiet of the night, what do you say? I'm lucky that I am wired this way because I, they aren't doing it and I was able to do it. What are, what, what, what are the secrets? I, the first thing that pops into my head is that instead of feeling restricted to what the world knew about me, I felt there was possibility for what they could know about me. That was a big part of it. With the, the number of people who came up to me after and said, you had so much equity in these names and in these words and in this genre and in all of these things, you had so much equity in that and you totally threw it to the wind to try something else, which of course they don't say it until they're like 
and you were successful. You know, like nobody says it initially. They're like, we'll see how this goes. But but when they when I started hearing that more often, I realized how a lot of people see the world in more of a scarcity mindset. I see a lot of things in scarcity. I see a lot of things in, Ooh, could that really happen? But this was something that I felt really lucky that I looked at it as more of an opportunity than something scary. It's not like there weren't moments where I was questioning it, but that's why I gave myself plenty of time to let it set in and make sure I set all my ducks up in a row before I just unleashed it onto the world. I was ready. I'd prepared the branding accordingly. I just knew that it was the right decision. And when it was finally ready, I did. Do you think that you, uh, that you were drawn in that direction more because of the opportunity or the scarcity that you saw or more because of what you felt you had to give? Did you feel that there was a vacuum that you were starting to fill or were you going to insert yourself in a marketplace and create your opportunity that way? There's always people in your space who are going to be doing the same thing as you. There's always going to be other people. I, I don't look at it that way. I just thought this is how I want to do it. This is where I'm going to put myself and try to do my best at it. And we'll see if my audience likes it. I, I, it was just, I knew I had more to give and I wanted to be able to build the platform to be able to do that. I, I respect that there's people that have paved the way in every aspect of the business that I've been in, in different genres of content and different, um, actual expertises. But, um, I just knew that I could offer a different perspective for a specific group of people. So the same person's creating how to content in a valuable space, which is, it can be a very successful marketplace. Mm-hmm. And now three years later, she is creating content in the personal affirmation space. Mm-hmm. Is that a good sure. way to put it? Personal. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of efficiency of, of life and mindset, uh, confidence yeah. and productivity. Mindset. Mm-hmm. Good, good point. Mm-hmm. Why are you exploding in popularity here? And you had reasonable, but pedestrian growth in the other, if we totally i mean this is what blows my mind is that so many people were like look at how much you had going on i was a peon on the scale of youtube whatever's like it doesn't even Mm -hmm. matter and so i i don't know the answer to that question i think a lot of weird things happened at one time i made a pivot Uh, a couple months later there was a lot of drama on youtube um with some of the viral vlogs yeah. and YouTube needed to answer for they needed safe harbor. Yeah. YouTube yeah. needed to answer. We, we were together at social media marketing right. world just as that was popping. Exactly. Right? We and, the, and, um, I don't know when this started happening for me. I think it was February or it was late January, February when things started taking off just to set the stage from a numerical standpoint, it was like end of 2017, I had 80,000 YouTube subscribers by, uh, beginning of February. I think I had up, I had a hundred thousand. So 20,000 subscribers in one month, which was not normal whatsoever. Um, and then I had another 100,000 in less than 100 days. So what had happened- yeah. And that was in March. We were together then. I think- so. Do you remember sitting down and we, we, we sat down and you said, Steve, my channel's going crazy and I don't know I why. know, yes, because you just don't, because the analytics just say, oh, this is coming from the YouTube homepage. Like, what does that even mean? Like, it's, it's not a real traffic source because it's customized on your experience as a whole, not- on a per session basis. So that's why I said that. And yeah, I was, it was in March. I don't think I'd hit a hundred yet in March, but at that time, but you were getting 8,000, 9,000 a month. It, all of a sudden it, you were growing yeah, by there that. There was a month I hit, I had 30,000 subscribers a month. It yep. was insane, but there was one thing that happened and I still <clears throat> kind of look at it and I go, that's suspicious. 
when YouTube was having to answer for a lot of algorithm issues, when so-and-so was in a bad spot because he did something naughty and so he should have been taken off the track. It was right after the suicide yep, video. The suicide it was right video. after the suicide and uh, it, forest. And so suicide forest. YouTube was under a lot of pressure. Casey Neistat interviewed this, the chief business officer, I believe, mm-hmm. and they talked through, we made some mistakes, da 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 and Casey asked, you know, what are you looking for? And they said, we want to see more female creators. And I kid you not... It was moments like I felt like moments Mm -hmm. either before or after that. It felt like after I don't remember anymore, but it was very, very close to that occasion. That's things started to change for my channel. Now, I don't know if that is just ironic, but obviously the content had changed in my favor for that to happen. The, The real issue with YouTube is that business to business doesn't work mainstream. They can only make so much money on that. That's been my experience. So I believe that with my how-to space being very B2B, it was siloed on the scale of B2B channel growth. And that's really how I feel about it. When I changed it from a B2B mindset, talking to the same person in a more overall, how can you go after the life that you want? That's when everything changed. And I do believe that that means it means there's more mass appeal. They found more ways to plant me in front of people to see if I would perform well. And when I did, we both reap the benefits. So that's what, that's a little bit of a weird way of explaining what happened, but I think that's what happened. So you used to teach a lot of people to get started on YouTube, uh, how to get started, how to establish your channel and how to build a channel. Uh, has, has the roadmap changed at all in the past couple of years? It's changed in a lot of little ways, but when it comes to like the the core, I don't think so. I think most people don't realize that consistency is key. It's just this thing we all keep saying, but consistency means a lot of things. It's showing up on a regular basis so that one person and then two people and then four people and then eight, eight people will show up when you show up to make content. But if you keep saying you're going to show up and you don't because you're like, eh, no one's watching anyway, it, you just can't go anywhere from there. So there's some of those basic values that actually completely change everything. As a matter of fact, I think I post too much on YouTube and I'm thinking about the summer I'm going down to one video a week. There's something about the algorithm that you're at, were you at two right now? I'm at two right now. I, I was at one per week for most of 2018. I started to add some flavor and things have changed again on the channel. So I'm just trying new things because the reality is I want to show up as much as I tell my audience I'm going to show up. But if the platform is just stunting growth because of the way that they would prefer things to go, I have to see that and respect it and then say, fine, I'll just put this content someplace else if YouTube only wants me to post once a week. So I'm trying that out this summer. We'll see how it goes. Um, But it was very successful for me last year. And the reality is they told me this when I went to YouTube Next Up Camp a couple years ago, also 2016, right before this. That could have been a big part of the pivot was the beginning stages of that. They, um, They said, why are you making so much content? I was posting three days a week at the time. They were like, why are you making so much? You should be spending the same time and resources in one video per week because the average per success, well, what industry standard on YouTube is one video per week is basically what they said. Post one video per week, one really good video per week. We would prefer you do that. Then you post a lot and because you have the ability to do more with one piece. And so that really shocked me. I didn't expect them to say that. I thought that I was the only person in that camp that had a consistent schedule for three years. I didn't miss a Tuesday, Wednesday or Thursday episode, except for one family emergency. So it, it just felt really weird for them to be telling me that, but 
they know how the platform works. So you just kind of have to understand that you are in these rented spaces for a reason. They have the community there they can send to you, but you got to listen to what they say when they're like, you're posting too much. And I think the whole like daily vlogging thing really made everybody think that that's how you get more watch time and it's not. But now I'm going into like the weeds on YouTube. Here's one thing that I hear over and over again, a theme that's run through from the first question to now is you have a great capacity to deal with change. Which is shocking to me because I'm such a control freak in a lot of ways. I think I've learned in my in the last like five to ten years like how to control my controllingness. Um, but yeah, every time something's presented to me, that's very meta. That's I a know, very meta I statement. Know, super weird. <laughs> you know I feel like when you explain something to me and I get it, I really don't question it. I really just want to say, "Oh, that's the way it is. Great, I'll do it." Like. I have no reason to question something until it shows me something different. And so, yeah, I think when change is presented to me and I see the positive side of it, I'm 100% all in. I'm going to go in prepared, but I'm I'm all in because until I, I'm proven otherwise or somebody has proven otherwise, I really want to try to do the best I can. So I, I think that's why. I think it's not, oh, crap, change is happening. It's like, oh, this is more effective. And you're going to win me with that every time. You have a you have a partner in a podcast. Brian Fanzo is, is is a good friend of yours. He's a good friend of mine as well. I had him on earlier. He was one of my, he was the first millennial. You're the second oh, millennial oh. on the show. Yeah. He was the first millennial guest. And you have a podcast that you do with Brian, uh, which which we'll link to. It's a great podcast. I listen to it all the time when I'm walking Farley. It's like we're hanging out together. Uh. It's just like you two are sitting on the couch with me, which is exactly Aww, what you want. That's awesome. But I gave Brian an opportunity to hang himself, and I'm going to give you the same opportunity okay. to cause yourself irreparable damage with all of the baby boomers in the audience. And that is, I asked him why it was that there are not more successful baby boomers in social, specifically YouTube in your case, but they are we. But for the most part. It's uh, successful baby boomers in online and social are like unicorns. You hear about us, but you don't actually ever see one. Mm -hmm. So why do you think that is? Um, I think the internet so wildly messed people up who are older than millennial. Like, I don't even think that just about baby boomers. I know a lot of Gen Xers who were like, what? Like, what is this thing that we have to do? And so... And when a lot of people who are have no, they know what they do, they do it really well, they keep doing it. And in the meantime, they don't take their blinders off to see social and internet completely changing the way their work works. That will, that's going to stunt you. And I think it stunted a lot of people, specifically baby boomers, because once you get to a certain point in your career, you're just super disinterested of all this other stuff. So I, I don't, I think that's part of it. I don't think that's all of it. I also think that there is, there is something, I think this whole like uh, willingness to change and willingness to try new things and, oh my gosh, new technology here, new technology there, new, te there's efficiency, efficiency, efficiency. It's not changed to me. It's just getting better. So I think that makes somebody more open to, oh, I can talk to people all over the world on the internet. And so that, that is what it feels like to me. My initial gut reaction when I think of a baby boomer, boomer resisting YouTube or resisting trying is that they mostly resist that this even happened at all. And unfortunately, I'm going to sound like a total jerk millennial on the show. Like when you approach things with a victim mentality that this happened to you, there's nowhere to go from there but down. 
Like it's not good. Mm-hmm. It's not good. And and so it sucks, but it's really fun in my opinion whenever I see a baby boomer or whenever I see even somebody just a little bit older than me that didn't quite get it right away, but now they're like they get it and they're into it and they're asking questions. That gets me so excited because I know how much their mindset had to change to get in that place and to to be open. And I almost now, somebody said to me the other day, my mom was a tech teacher before there were mostly computers in schools. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. My, so my mom is technology savvy to say the least. She doesn't always know everything, but she, she knows a lot. And somebody said to me the other day, they were looking at her Instagram stories cause she's very into Instagram stories when she's got my dog. And so she's, she's using it. And somebody said, I'm so pr- impressed by your mom's techiness. And I was like, are you kidding me? My mom's the reason that there were Mac computers at that elementary school. Like it, it's, it, it's kind of weird. Cause like, we're not doing you any favors. Cause we just assume you guys aren't into it. And then when somebody is, it's like, wow, like somebody knows how to use an iPhone. And I just think that we're all so far beyond that. And you, if you're open to seeing the next chapter for yourself, it means just being a little bit more open about the many, 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 sometimes paralyzing opportunities that are in front of you technology-wise and how it can make things better faster, but also it doesn't actually change how you need to be as a human. That's what I think. I think you skated around the thin ice quite nicely there. Thank you. So so where do you turn? We'll wrap things up with a couple of simple questions. Where do you turn for resources? Where, who do you learn from? What resources inspire you and spark new ideas in Amy Landino's brain? Uh, I'm very lucky. I get to read my comments. I get inspired all the time, but I, I also think you just have to look at where the attention is and see why the attention is there. And so, uh, to me, I think Instagram indicates a lot. I think Instagram teaches us what people are thinking about because people who, if you're paying attention there and the creators who are creating there, they're making something that a YouTube creator could do, but on such a short snippet of a level, it's like, Oh, that's interesting. Like, how could I do something similar to that, but make it better because I have the resources of a longer video and more equipment and more opportunity. People usually hear the video when they first start watching instead of listening to it on mute and Instagram. So I like to just look at where are people paying attention and how can I do my own little version of that someplace else? Um, I think Facebook is still obviously extremely relevant, but we do see generations start to jump around on the different platforms and say, well, now that, now that mom's over here, I'm going to hop over here. Like, well, mom, like you should be paying attention over there because your demo is going to move there just as fast. And it's also not because the cool kids only hang out in these places. It's because the technology is so good that it's worth being immersed in that environment. So I just, I genuinely just get inspired by taking a look around. Um, I, I don't actually consume as much content as I used to. I used to watch so many YouTube channels. I I loved Mm -hmm. absorbing who was around me, but I don't, I'm so efficient and I block out my time so much that it's like, I, I have to really stay in my own lane. So I'm not replicating somebody else, but I'm truly being as creative as I'm, uh, as possible for me. So I like to observe what's going on. What are the trends? What are things people are talking about? But I'm not watching so much YouTube content that I feel like I'm not creating enough. And also sometimes when you watch too much of what you wish you were doing, you paralyze yourself into not doing it at all. So that's, that's a, that's something that I realized 
I was like, I'm watching way too much YouTube. I should be creating because when you do that, you just start to sound like other people. And I don't want that. I don't want my audience to think I'm changing into somebody else. I, and I, this might be a bit of a leading question because I think I know the direction you're going to go with the answer. Mm-hmm. But what are you really excited about? What, what captures your curiosity now for the next for the next phase and what are you excited about? Well, I'm starting to write my book, which is really exciting because the first book was so hard to sit down and start doing um, because I'm just not a natural writer, but I had everything in my head. This one's exciting to me because that pivot that we just talked about, it surrounded a lot around how morning routines are different for everybody, but if if done the way to your liking can really set you up for success long-term because you're living your life on your terms to start every single day. So that's... So so the new book is about starting out your day in the right way? In your own way. Yeah. And what does that mm-hmm. mean for you? And, and because I don't like how, specifically my generation, I don't know about you guys, but we wake yeah. up, we wake up and not me, but we wake up and we roll over and we hit the snooze, but we still get on our phone the second we wake up. And it's like, you don't get out of bed. You stare at Instagram. You look at everybody's highlight reel. You're looking at what the rest of the world is doing. You haven't even gotten up to decide how your life is going to go that day. You're letting everybody else tell you how to feel. I'm trying to stop that. So I don't care if you, if you wake up at 5am like me and go to the spin gym and do all that. I don't care what you do. I just want to know that it's on your terms because I believe that every successful person we've ever heard of is doing that, whether they have their phone in their hand or not. But I know for a fact, I haven't read a single book or seen an interview where somebody rolls over and looks at their Instagram first thing every single morning. I just know that that is not the key to success. So that's what I'm excited about. I started, um, a little group on Patreon called Shine Squad. And those troopers are helping me a lot. I wanted them to have the inside scoop on me writing the book because their opinion on how that book goes and ah. making it the best possible version is really important to me. And then I add some other fun stuff in there. But that that was a big driver for the group. I like that. That's and I and I know that I've that I've followed you on the Patreon on the You're Patreon. You're like my journey. Patreon coach. You are the guy. I'm so on another level because of all your tips. Oh, it's it, but I love you know what you're doing really well and we haven't talked about it since you launched is yeah. I hadn't realized how tight it was going to be tied to the book content and I love that idea. And it, and getting buy-in from the community who you who you're writing for, that's a stroke of genius, Amy. And get Thank and you. getting them to pay for the privilege to help you. That is I even mean, better. I'm like, oh, like it's it's just so cool. I think that the, the biggest thing is like That's what's been the hardest part of my job, not pivoting, not doing all these weird things is being okay with the fact that people are so appreciative of the work that I've done that they're willing to pay for more. And that's something so foreign to me. Did you post, did you post, did I see, was it, was it your Instagram post this morning is dealing with their imposter syndrome? Was it, you posted on that this morning, didn't you? Yeah, that was a new podcast that came out today. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to have, listen to it, but that's where that comes from. That's that's part and parcel of it, which we. It is. Yeah, and and I hope that that's not an issue for my tribe, for the community, for the baby boomers. I hope that we have gotten beyond the point that we might feel like we're imposters in the online space, but we certainly shouldn't feel like imposters in life. And uh, so I'm I'm hoping that that's not an issue, but I realize that I'm probably that's faint hope. Well, yeah, everybody, everybody has their own version of imposter syndrome. It pops up whenever and they're like, Ooh, am I going to get found out? I have those moments all the time. And it doesn't, it doesn't mean it's debilitating. It's just, if you just keep working hard enough, you're like, 
mm, no, I think I'm owning it now. <laughs> okay. Well, one person who I know is not an imposter, and that is the lovely and talented Ms. Amy Landino. Thanks so much for sharing with us today, Amy. Thank you, Steve. I was so happy to be here. Do not leave me yet. We still have a few things to wrap up. For links to all of Amy's content, uh, the, all in the description of the uh, vlog here, or you can head over to dottotech.com in the podcast section there. You will find all of the links in the blog post that's attached to Amy's podcast. I got to thank Amy so much for spending the time. She was just heading off on a holiday. She's taking, what, three months off, I think, and she was packing all of her content together to be able to go away for three months. That's something that I could never do. I could never have enough content baked and ready to go for me to take three months off. I, I think I, she impresses me every time I have a chat with her. Um, before we wrap up, I do have a couple of things I need your help in. The first is help me grow this podcast. If this is valuable to you, if you are finding that the content we're sharing is helping you in your journey into the next 10, 15 years of your life into still being relevant, still being productive uh, in the digital space. Well, then by all means, please share this podcast with another person in the gray zone, somebody else who you think can benefit from learning more about how we in the baby boom generation can deal more effectively with social media, how we can use it to reinvent ourselves, how we can remain relevant in the digital space. Uh, we are basically going to grow through word of mouth. And so I'm asking you to share the message in along that same vein, regardless of which podcast platform you are subscribing on, please leave a comment. That helps with the, uh, that helps with the, uh, the, uh, viral search and the recommendations on the podcast. So leave a comment. And I also appreciate the comments because they give me great suggestions of what content we should be covering in the future. And if you definitely want to reach us, visit us at dottotech.com in the podcast area there, just uh, leave a comment and I read all of those comments and that helps me craft future episodes of gray matters. And if you've of course not subscribed on your favorite podcast platform, well, click that subscribe button so that you don't miss any of our episodes with that big thanks to Amy Landino. Big thanks to you for staying tuned until next time. I'm Steve Dotto. Have fun storming a castle. 